Thanks for listening to the New Revival Podcast. I'm Levi. And I'm Beth. And on today's episode, we have two special guests. Brady and Sarah Van Winkle from Truth to Turkey. All right. Well, thanks for being here with us, guys. You're welcome. Glad to be here. (laughs) All right. So we'll just go ahead and get um, kind of started right into this. So uh, why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? So I'm Brady. And I'm Sarah. All right. And um, so I, to go ahead and get this started, um, how did you guys meet? We'll, we'll go ahead and get right into the whole. I think that's a great question for Sarah to answer. For Sarah to answer. <laughs> Threw you underneath that bus. For real. Um, we met at Crown College in Powell, Tennessee. We went to college there and we met there. We weren't friends there, but we got reconnected again after college. Okay. All right. And what year was that? We met in 2007 took her that long to like you <laughs> it was what 2000 we got reconnected in 2013 13. yeah 2013 okay when did you guys get married 2014 oh okay <laughs> it wasn't long we it wasn't literally long. we started talking to when we got married it was nine months total so. oh wow okay and uh, your guys' ministry is called Truth to Turkey, correct? That is correct. Okay. Um, the first question that we have what I want this to be is kind of um, chances for you to answer questions that people may have at church that you may not have time to answer afterwards. Uh, wherever that I know standing in the vestibule doesn't always isn't the most inviting or uh, open uh, platform to talk about things. Uh, but ho- hopefully this can kind of maybe be a resource to you to be like, hey, I know we didn't get to talk much here at your church this morning, but you can listen to this and kind of get a little bit more or learn a little bit more about us. Um, so how I guess I'll start with, with Brady here. How did God call you to the mission field? So. <clears throat> I went to a church that was very mission-minded, and I believe that it was it was a process of God working in my life over several years. Um, you know, getting reading missions books, having missionaries come in, and, and talking with them, and getting to know them. And God began to work in my heart as a young person. And when I was 13, I surrendered my life to God and said, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And later that summer, I was at church camp, and while at church camp, I really felt God burning me to give my life to missions. And so at 13 is when I surrendered to God, I'll, I'll go anywhere. I don't know how this is going to work, but I'll give you my life for missions. But really, I believe it, it's kind of a process. You know, God was working in my heart over years, and I saw the need. Um, there was a burden put on my heart, and I believe that God said, hey, you can fill that need that, that I have in the world for the gospel. Okay, wow. And Sarah, when did you know God was calling you to the mission field? Okay, so like Brady, I grew up in a very missions-minded church. Um, so I had always had a burden for missions because it was put in front of me very since a very young age. and um, But when I went to college, I went for an education degree, which I still got. But while I was there, most of my friends were missions majors, so I was getting that all the time. And um, the Lord just kept impressing upon my heart that it was something that I really needed to think about. And then after college, me and Brady started talking, and it was kind of like, all right, this is the husband that I have for you, and this is what he's called to do. And so you're called to your husband, so you're going to help him with his ministry. Oh, wow, that's really that's cool. Awesome. And so how did each of your families uh, take to this? So I remember coming back from camp when I was 13 in Trinidad Missions and told my dad and my mom, I said, so God's called me to missions. And my dad looked at me and said, is this what God really has called you to do? This is what you're sticking with. And I said, yes. And he said, okay, I'm, I'm not going to let you live that down. If you don't do missions, I will tell you the rest of your life you didn't do missions. And so, you know, he's they've always been behind it. I think they're, you know, a little sad we're going to be going, but my parents are very excited we're going and taking the gospel to another country. Okay. And Sarah, what about your family? Did My parents are very excited for us to go. Um, 
they're not excited about how far away it's going to be. Yeah, right? yeah. But um, they've always backed us, and we've never had any problems with it. They're just getting sad now because we're getting ready to leave, but they're not. Yeah. There's not any animosity or anything like that. Now, did you guys know right off the bat that it was going to be a foreign mission field, or did you just knew, like, I know my dad, whenever he was called to be a pastor, he wasn't sure. Like, at first he thought his calling was going to be evangelism and going around the country. Did you guys always know it was going to be a foreign mission field? I think from an early age I was pretty sure it was, it was foreign missions. Um, not exactly. It was just whatever God wanted me to do, but I always just felt like God would call me somewhere else outside the United States to take the gospel. Yeah. It had uh, Brady, had you ever gone to any mission field, or on any mission trips? I know he being at Tabernacle growing up, I know they were pretty mission-oriented. Uh, had you gone on any mission trips uh, before being called to the ministry? Uh, not before I was called to, to the mission field. Uh, after, though, I've been, I've been on several. Uh, and I, I would recommend anyone who can, uh, at an, as early as you can, to go on a mission trip because it impacts you. I think it would have impacted me even more as a young person. But being so young, it was really hard. But, you know, I went when I was able to when I was 17 on a mission trip out to Indian Reservation. I've been to Cambodia, and we've also been to Turkey, and then I went to England for four months as well. So I've been several different places. And when you get to the mission field and you get to see it, it's really God uses it to open your eyes to say, wow, there's a great need outside of the United States. Sarah, had you ever been on any mission trips? I had actually not been on any mission trips, but it was more of a, there wasn't a, a good opportunity for me to go on any. Mm -hmm. um, but if I had have had that, I think that that definitely would have been, had spurred me more into action earlier at a younger age. Okay. Um, and I guess when, whenever, had you guys ever, been, I know, Brady, you said you'd been on mission trips before. Had you gone to Turkey before you were called to that field? No, we hadn't been to Turkey. Um, basically, what worked, how God worked in our lives was we were praying, God, where do you want us to go? And we were working in Alpharetta, Georgia, and God brought a Turkish family into our church there. And through them, that's how God directed us to Turkey. But then we went, since being on deputation, we went to Turkey. We spent about a week there, was able to get around and see four major cities there, see what the people were like, taste the food, uh, see what kind of things we can get there. And it was a short trip, but it was, a, it was very packed with able to see the country. Was it pretty cut and dry once you guys had been there? Like, this is where I'm being called to, or were there any other countries where, like, well, maybe I'll go? No. Turkey, I mean, 100% once God led us to Turkey, it was, we knew when we were in Turkey, it was, this is it. And this was really the purpose of the, the survey trip. I knew God wanted me in Turkey. I just, I knew this is where God wanted me was for Sarah to get that confirmation and to know I can live here. I can get things here. And this is exciting. And I believe God did work in her heart when she was there to give her hundred percent confirmation. This is where God wants us to be. Very much so. Okay. I guess to kind of transition into the next question, why a modernized country? Cause Turkey's pretty modernized compared to uh, like a third world that a lot of missions seem, seem, seem to be drawn to. Well, really we don't look at it just based on, you know, money pop you know what money's going on really we see i look at need and really it's how god directed us there and i mean there's need all around the world so you could you could put a, a pin in a map anywhere and there's a need there mm -hmm. but our heart's desire is to be church planners and so we go not necessarily bring food or relief efforts which is all good stuff but we go to plant churches to train men so that we can see turkey completely changed with the gospel and give them something that's eternal value okay mm -hmm. so you saw the spiritual need and saw that there was it was a uh, a field ready to be harvested to go in there and plant that seed. Yes, there's very, very big spiritual need in the country of Turkey right now. All right. And um, you said you had been, when was the last time, or had you guys been to Turkey once? Is that correct? We've been there one time, so it was about a year and a half ago, uh, close to, it'll be two years in April. How long we were you there? there? So we were there right out of a week. Right out of so. the week. Okay. All right. Um, how would you describe, like, once you move there, how will your, how would you describe your neighbors, the people that live in the city that you're going to? 
I'm not too sure on that one um, because, we, you know, we've met some people there, but a lot of people we met were more in, in businesses and stuff like that. But, I mean, the big thing is they're not going to speak our language. So they're not. most people don't speak English in Turkey. So the fun thing is going to be we're going to have to learn the language to communicate with them. But most of the people I met, they were very friendly. So I'm, And from what I've read, they're very friendly people. They're very welcoming. So a lot of times people love to have people over. It's a, Hospitality is huge in Turkey. So the thing is, is you have neighbors over and then, you know, then you invite them back over to your house. So it's a great opportunity for us to be able to have people into our homes on a regular basis. With that, you said um, the language, but with that, uh, I guess, what are some other big adjustments or challenges that you may have to make uh, when you start living in your new city? Which your new city is, what was the name of it again? It's going to be Izmir. The Izmir. city is Izmir, uh, Turkey there. and Which is the biblical city of Smyrna, correct? That is correct. Okay. That's correct. And um, so, yeah, there, there's a I lot of this it. morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know you're listening. So. <laughs> But it, it, there are a lot of adjustments. The language is going to be the biggest adjustment, but also it's it's a cultural thing. There are uh, big adjustments there in the city. Um, things are done differently. Basically, so like in the United States, we have the you know, rules of the road. Everyone follows rules. In Turkey, they have rules of the road, but no one follows the rules. <laughs> and so that's going to be an interesting one is getting used to driving uh, in a new country with lots of traffic and things like that. Sarah, what would you say some other big adjustments would be? My big thing was going to be traffic. <laughs> big traffic. It was horrible. Um, I don't know, probably just getting used to having to go maybe different places to get the different things that we'll need for like normal, you know, shopping and stuff like that. You can get most things at local supermarkets and things like that, but there's going to be other things that you're going to have to go hunt for. Um, not necessarily things that are like mandatory to have, yeah. but if there's something special that you might want, you might have to go to multiple stores to try to find it. Right. Now, I know you said it is pretty modernized. Is it westernized or is am I kind of considering the two the same, like as far as like dress like i know it's a muslim country like sarah are you gonna have to wear a headdress to kind of no they're very they're more european in their style okay so um most girls you would see um if they're especially if they're under like 30 years old or so they're probably wearing jeans and a t-shirt okay Um, because it's a mediterranean kind of a port city they're still going to be very modest in their dress okay Um, Mm -hmm. they try to make sure that they're they stay very covered so um but it would still be more european in their clothing style but the older they get the more conservative it is. So. Okay. And with it being a Muslim country, did you say it was 99%? Is what they consider themselves Muslims? 99.8% would, would claim to be Muslim. Basically, everyone in the country except for a very small, small population. Wow. Um, and is that due to, like, persecution or, like, the, the 0.02 or 0.2% that don't claim to be Muslim? Or is it... So a lot of it has to do, there's, there's a lot of history in Turkey of that. So actually Turkey for years was, a, I mean, even Bible times was very Christian in a sense where Paul worked. But then there was a lot of Christians in there and there's a lot of things that happened over the years from persecutions from many years ago to the one thing that they did to get rid of Christians is they would tax them heavily. And then on top of that, when their kids were born, they would take, if it was a son, they would take them and put them in their Muslim army. Mm-hmm. And so they take them at an early age, so they were brought up Muslim. So it was eventually slowly weeding things out like that. And the nice, the thing about Turkey now is there's not much persecution to worry about. It's just there's not a lot of work being done there. But there's wide open doors that I believe God's going to do some big things there. Okay, okay you said not, not much persecution. How would How would they view or how do they view Americans over there? typically depends on how their how their president is viewing our president or the uh, country at the time um but most of the time they're very friendly to americans they, they like americans we were over there it was great everywhere we'd go and 
first people thought I was German or Russian because I don't know why. I guess it's because I'm big and, and everything. But then when they found out I was American, everyone knew somebody in the States. Oh, my cousin, my uncle, he works in New York. He works in Atlanta. He works in Texas. Dallas. Yeah, Texas, <laughs> somewhere there. They're all there. And so they, they, they always enjoy talking to us and everything. So it seemed very friendly. But again, it all depends on what's going on. Um, Turkey's in an economic crisis right now. And so sometimes they're not too happy with America because – we did try to put some stipulations and stuff on them, but then we finally released those off. So it's kind of, it goes back and forth. Okay. I know you had mentioned this morning at church that they are in a, an economic recession. Is that, I guess, part of this whole, I know they had a coup attempt a couple of years ago and there was like suicide bombings and it was just pretty rough place there a couple of years ago. It, it was really definitely pretty rough. Now, I don't think a lot of that stemmed out of it. It's just a bunch of different things back to back to back. Some of it being some restrictions the United States placed on them, some other things coming together. And then all of a sudden, like earlier this year, when we started deputation, their money is called the lira. And the lira was three lira to one U.S. dollar. And okay. now it's five and a half, but it had gotten up to like seven and eight. And oh, wow. so, and then the um, inflation has been really bad there as well because on top of it. But the thing about the economic crisis is, is one, it helps us out a little bit. The dollar goes a little bit further. Mm -hmm. And then two, people aren't as comfortable because the money is tight. And mm -hmm. so it also means they're open for preaching the gospel too. Okay. Okay. Awesome. I guess sticking along with the whole cultural um, questions here, what things are, I guess, I'm sure there's going to be a list here, but what things of America are you going to miss while you're over in Turkey? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Chick <laughs> there's probably not Chick-fil-A's over there. <laughs> no Chick-fil-A's yet. No, um. I know Sarah also will definitely miss ranch dressing because yeah. they don't have ranch dressing there. I will miss gravy. Uh, I, what do they dip, dip their chicken tenders well, in? Well, they have yeah. a ranch, but it's not. It's fake. It's, it's, it's fake totally ranch. fake. It's not like, Hidden Valley. It's, it's not Hidden Valley. <laughs> ranch is very, like, Hoosier anyways, so. yeah. which I know you're not I from could, Indiana. But <laughs> I could put anything in ranch, but no, yes. I'm, I'm hoarding ranch packets back to take with me right So now. what kind of – is it very Mediterranean food, or is it more of a Middle Eastern, like – I can't even think of an example. It'd be a good mix of um, falafel. Yeah. Uh, if falafel's there, it's, it's a good mix of uh, Mediterranean and also Middle Eastern food. So a lot of kebabs, a lot of uh, shaved meats, things like that. Euros, fresh vegetables, fresh vegetables uh, all, a lot of olives, uh, olives and everything. And the food there is a lot more healthy than the food is here because they don't put all the processing and stuff like that into it. So it's mm, a lot more okay. fresh and it's a lot better for you. Are you guys picky or will this like totally be fine with you yeah and your week over there did you starve <laughs> we did not starve over there but the great thing is though is i am picky um but i will eat food that's put in front of me uh, that's one thing i have to do as a missionary because right. it's said if you don't eat the food you reject to so reject the food reject the people mm -hmm. and so yeah people put stuff in front of me i'll eat myself eat i'll I'll have to eat it if I like it or not. So I had to do it already. Our Turkish friends had us over and had some some different stuff on it and I stuff I really didn't care for. But I was like, I got to eat this because right. they put it in front of me. But when we were there for the week. I mean, we found all kinds of good stuff. Um, a lot of times we'd go in and we knew we started finding a few things we liked, and so we try to order the same thing because mm -hmm. a lot of times you go into a restaurant and the menu is all in Turkish. And so unless there's pictures, and most of them didn't have pictures. You're like, I don't know what this is. And so. most of the waiters didn't know English. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that, and we also found too, I mean, there are McDonald's, KFCs, Burger King. There's Popeyes, a KFC in Turkey? There are KFCs. Yes. Arby's. Arby's. Oh, KFC is everywhere. There's 113 KFCs in Turkey. Oh, so, wow. And they deliver. Krispy Kreme. Oh, I love that you looked that up. So are they like, are they comparable to the ones here in the U.S.? I think they're better. Uh, really? I've, I've traveled to several countries, and I ha yeah, I believe the the KFCs are always better. I don't know why, but they always <laughs> taste better. They have better stuff, better selections. So since you've been back in the states, um, since your trip, is there anything about Turkey that you you? 
I, I, I know the people, but that you can't wait to get back there. All this cheap sweet food, um, <laughs> the sweets, desserts. I could, we could get. I bought like he has the sweet tooth. Yes, uh, I got baklava a kilo, which is like two and a half pounds of baklava for like two dollars United States. Oh, wow. So, yeah, and here in the states, if you got that much baklava, it'd probably cost you twenty, thirty bucks. Oh wow! And it was very good. It's way um, better than it is here because oh, yeah. here it's like dried out. Yeah. And the, I mean, and the food in general. There's a lot of the food there um, that I really like. There's a soup. It's called a red lentil soup. And you don't find it here in the States, but it's very frequent over there. It's part of every meal just about, and it's it's amazing. And then tea everywhere. You have tea of yeah. everything. And Turkish oh. coffee, the one big thing I really Ooh, miss. Oh, that's strong, is isn't it? Very strong, but very good. It's one of those things, it may take one or two drinks for you to like it, but typically by the second or third drink, you're either going to hate it or you're going to like it. <laughs> and I'm on the hate. You're on the hate side. <laughs> I love it. I put the tea. I could drink the tea all day. They have this one tea. It's apple tea, and they serve it to mostly female visitors because they think it's more delicate or something mm. like that. Mm-hmm. And it is absolutely delicious. That sounds good. So. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of tea. Usually, like, the flower, more flowery the drink is, the, I'm all about it. Like, hibiscus teas and lavender <laughs> lemonade. And I'm always like, give me a Coke, please. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, and I know you, you said the waiters don't speak English. What, like, is English not, like, not even close to being a second language over there? Or, like, is it everybody speaking Turkish? Most everyone speaks Turkish. I mean, you're, you're going to have some of it taught to younger kids. But even then, I mean, think of it this way. Most of the time when, when our kids here in the States learn a foreign language, German or Spanish, you don't really speak it at all. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of similar there. They're taught textbook and they're taught by someone who doesn't probably speak English. So okay. like mm-hmm. the so ones who might speak himself. English that we found spoke English, either they have visited the United States or they sell stuff. So they know enough to sell it's you business stuff. business English. Because I would okay. try to get conversations with people outside of business and be like, hey, let me t- talk about this. And they'd look at me like, I don't understand. <laughs> I have no clue. And taxi drivers, it was horrible. Like I would try to have conversations with taxi drivers and they looked at me like, I don't know what you're saying. And half the time, I didn't even know if they knew where we were supposed to go. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I know you said that's obviously like one of the first things you're going to do as soon as you get there is once you get adjusted into a house, do you have anything like that set up as far as like an apartment or a house or? We don't have anything right now. Our plan is we're here probably in the next week or two. We're going to actually secure an Airbnb kind of house for our first month. That gives us a place to stay while we're trying to get everything set up Uh, because it'll take a little bit of time. We, we, should take a couple a week or two to get a house, find a house, look at houses. Then we had to work on setting it up, so getting you know everything. Because pretty much in Turkey, as in the United States, when you rent something, a lot of times it comes unfurnished. There's nothing, not yeah. no mm-hmm. no nothing. No refrigerator. So you've got to yeah, you've got to get refrigerator, the stove, the stove top, everything, and put in there. Now we might find some that have some of that stuff in there, which would be helpful and save us a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's gonna be all the process there. And I know you said you're going to language school in March, correct? Uh, that is our uh, plan, Lord willing. We're trying to, the middle of March is when the language school would start, the one we're trying to get to. Do you, um, got, you guys know any Turkish now? No, about three words. About three words, yeah. <laughs> three words. I know hello, goodbye, and water. So. Now, is there any particular reason? I know you guys have been busy on deputation the past two and a half years, just raising support to go over there. Is there any reason why you haven't uh, tried to learn language before? Do you don't want to learn any bad habits, or is it? That really is what the question there is, is great, uh, the, the bad habits. Um, you know, you could pick up Rosetta Stone, and you might be able to start learning things, um, but unless you can be in it 24-7, you're
you're listening to it, but you have people correcting. That's the big deal. In Turkey, we're going to be there, and we're going to have people making fun of us, correcting us. <laughs> and, you know, we're going to try to do it that way. Whereas with Rosetta Stone and things like that, it's a lot of repetition. You think, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Mm-hmm. But really, when you go to try to speak it to someone, you may not be even right. And I'm stubborn as is. So if I learned it on Rosetta Stone and I didn't went to try to do it myself and someone said that's wrong, I'm like, no, no, no. I learned <laughs> no, it on Rosetta I, Stone. I could show you the chapter. And this, and this guy's like, I've spoke this since I, my whole life. I know what yeah. it is. So That, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. You wanted to learn it from a local. That way you could like. It's more accurate. I'm sure like, right. there's dialect too. I'm sure there's. Everything Plus, else you're like gonna that. feel more pressured, like being there, like oh, I have to learn this, like I really have to pay attention, versus yeah. like oh, it's, I can just repeat that later on. It's sink <laughs> or swim. Like you can't do anything if you don't figure out how to talk. So. Right. All right. Um, what? I guess along with that, do you have like a point of contact? I know you said that there's a church there that you're wanting to to kind of are hoping to join up with. That's great. Yeah, there's a couple of different people we know in the country, uh, workers there. Uh, one guy's in Manisa, and then another guy is in Eskashi here. He's a little bit further away. He's a friend of mine. But they've all been helpful so far, and they're going to be help- hopefully helping us get set up and things like that and getting us when we start be able to you know, translate things for us and let us know how to get housing and be a part of there. And then kind of our plan is, you know, we don't know them closely. We just know a little bit through talking. So hopefully we can, for the first couple years where they kind of work under, underneath them and learn from them how to do ministry things. And how did you meet them? Basically through uh, Facebook and other means. People put us in contact with one of them. And then one one guy, so the one guy I'm in close contact with, it's his church. He got in contact with a me in contact with another person when we went on our survey trip to meet up with because they were out of country. And then we got re-back in contact with the same people through them. So it's really just been a lot of different people, churches giving us contacts and things like that. It's okay. taken a long time, though. Yeah, yeah. We, I've been looking for a place to go since we started deputation, and it's just been hard to find people that we are of like faith and like practice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, are you two going uh, alone, or are you going with any other, uh, like another couple, or anybody else? Or are you just jumping in, just the two of you? When we start, it's the two of us, so it's just the two of us. But behind us, there's another couple that will be coming, you know, probably by the time we get to where we'll start a church, they'll be getting over there to start their language school and things like that. So okay, so you can kind of go ahead and get the get a foothold dug. We'll and... do the hard stuff today. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make all the mistakes. There so. you go. You guys going to be the tour guides whenever yeah. they get there. Guinea exactly. pigs. Yeah, right. yeah, the guinea pigs. Um, so since you've been on deputation, what's been the best part about that? I know it's got to be frustrating wanting to get into the mission field and everything else like that, but have you enjoyed your time? Uh, I know you said you've been over to, uh, I took some notes this morning, over 400 churches from California all the way up to New York. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we've been in close to four, it'll be almost 400 by the time we leave. And it's, it, a lot of people say, you know, deputation is broken, deputation is hard, but you know, it, it's a lot of work. It, it's, it's just like a job. I mean, this is my job. I've been doing it for the past two and a half years. And I have, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I get to go to new churches each week, meet new pastors, new places, get to preach most of the time, get to teach, which is, I love to preach and teach, love to be able to do that. That's what God's called me to do. But then also just get meet pe- people all over the, the United States who are going to pray for you, who are going to remember you. And so it's been a great blessing. You know, it's, yeah, it's a, a long time, you think, two and a half years, some people are longer. But at the same time, I think it's worth it. If you work hard, you get deputation done. And then this, though, what everyone says is some people think, oh, deputation is so hard. But really, this is the easy part. And then the hard part comes <laughs> right. first when we get to learn a language. And then that's not even that hard. You know, then the next hard part is starting a church. And so really, it's just the steps along the way. And it's how you look at it. And I, I think deputation, I've really enjoyed it. I think the cool part about it, too, is... You walk into people's churches and sometimes get invited over to people's houses and you've never met them before, some of them. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it, there's that common bond because you know you're both in Christ mm-hmm. and you can sit there and have a full conversation with them. And sure, it might be a little bit awkward when you start out, but normally, 15 minutes into it, you're just, it's like you just never, you've always known them. It's like, like you're it's already awesome. friends. Yeah, like <laughs> you that, said, there's that common bond. It's that common bond in Christ that brings us all together. So it's really cool. That's got to make it easier going from country to country, or I say country, country, from state to state, knowing that you have that, well, I guess country to country too. <laughs> going state to state, knowing that you at least have that common bond, you have that yeah. relationship that you can stop in at churches and, oh, don't mind Yoda squeaking his toys back there. <laughs> that won't come through. Um, with that, what is there anything in particular that stands out that has been like a real blessing during deputation? I mean, I find it a blessing every, I mean, it's a blessing to go to every church that loves on us, gives us love offerings, takes care of us, takes us on for support. But I mean, some of the exciting things, one, like I said, there's a new family coming behind us, you know, about, you know, about a year ago or so they started, God worked in their heart about missions Mm -hmm. and then guys worked in their heart about going with us to the country of Turkey. And we've one, been praying for that for a while. Yeah, we were praying that God would bring, and we're still praying that God will raise up some more people to come with us to Turkey. We're going to, you know, plow the first little bit of ground, but we need some people to come help us. But then on top of that, one of my, I think, most exciting points, one of the exciting point is being able to talk to young people about missions. Mm-hmm. And about a year ago, we were in California, and I think this is one of my high points on deputation. I had a young man come to me, and I had preached in chapel that morning and preached in the service that evening, and he came up to me and said, God had been working on his heart from what I preached that God should, he God wanted him to be a missionary. And when I heard that, I was just super excited. It's made my deputation, and, you know, it's worth it all. If, if nothing happens, if if whatever, if you know, one young person on deputation gives their life to missions, that's exciting. That's one more person who can go and take the gospel of the world. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um. I guess with that, what would you say to someone uh, or what advice would you give to somebody that feels that God may be leading them to become a foreign missionary? Well, I would, uh, this is going to plug some stuff. Uh, I would highly recommend if you're looking at missions to get in contact with uh, Vision Baptist Missions, Vision Baptist Church, Our Generation Training Center. That's where we're out of. That's where we got some of our training. The Our Generation Training Center is great. It's a way for young people, especially right out of high school, you can come there and they will train you how to do missions, how to do uh, you know, church planning, all of this stuff, and it's a great program. And then on top of that, there's, you know, the Vision Baptist Church of Missions, you know, they have books and things like that they recommend. Um, if you're looking to get some advice, um, I personally wrote a book. Uh, it's called Steps to Becoming a Missionary. And it lays out what young people can do from where God's working on their heart all the way to how to get to the field and what to do. And I wrote part of it and had some people who were a little bit ahead of me write some of the rest of it about learning the language, uh, planning a church, just leaving behind a legacy and things like that. And so then you can pick that up. That's on Amazon. It's called Steps to Becoming a Missionary. Um, or you can, in a second, I think that gives you information about how you can contact us, get in contact with me, and I can get you copies of that book. It's a great resource. Yeah, yeah, definitely send me those links to those, and I'll link to those down in the show notes for the podcast so people can click on those as resources. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, so throughout your deputation, is there anything that, any funny stories that come along, I guess, to kind of like a light, more lighthearted side? Any anything funny i know you said you've been through two vehicles is there a story with that well there is one funny story about that vehicle um but it actually didn't die after this so we were driving and we were in orlando and it was summertime and we were driving rush to hour. a meeting in rush hour traffic and all of a sudden and sarah was driving and all of a sudden i was like laying and i was getting ready to we were about to get to the church i was getting things ready 
And all of a sudden, I just hear this awful, like she'd hit something. I thought, did you hit something? You know, it's just like that a common? scraping sound. No. no, she doesn't normally run over and hit things. But I was like, what is going on? And I told her to pull over. And I get out and I look. And I'm like, well, the engine looks fine. And I looked again. And I was like, oh, half the engine is laying on the ground. And so. As a mechanic, that does not look good. Yeah, that's a, it's a bad day. But, you know, there's a blessing out of that, though. So we thought, I look, we went and we got it towed. And we went to the church, was able to get us somewhere going. And we, we began to look up what that was going to cost. And it was going to be well more than the car was worth. And we're just like, there's no way we can pay this. There's no way we could put this much money in this car. It was already falling and apart. It was already <laughs> falling apart. So we had been saving money for another vehicle. We just were hoping a couple more months. And when the mechanic called us the next day to tell us how much it was, it was like, Oh, like $500, like super cheap, way cheaper than like three times less than what it's supposed to be. So okay. God bless in that, making it way less than what it was supposed to be. It didn't do any major damage to the engine when it fell. So it was, it was a great blessing. Look at how God took care of that. And then that car lasted a few more months and thankfully we were able to get a, a van. But then we had some money saved up for it. And Man, so, that's awesome. That's awesome. Running on prayers. <laughs> <laughs> so as a missionary on deputation now, what does your typical week look like? So when I first started out, see, see, there's different stages of deputation. When I first started out deputation, it was phone calls. I mean, I was working, I was making phone calls 40 plus hours a week. I'd get up, I'd start making phone calls around eight in the morning, call till five, six, seven, eight o'clock at night, depending on the day then. But now it's like a lot of just getting up, uh, working on preparing stuff for the future. Uh, so preparing messages and things for in Turkey that I'll translate into Turkish, but also working on writing blog articles, writing things for the future, um, books and stuff like that. Trying to be a help. I, I try to stay busy, but also it's a lot of travel. You know, we, we, we get up and some days it's, it could be a short trip. Some days it's six, all seven, eight day. hours all day. Sometimes we leave on Saturdays to get to our next meeting and stay a night somewhere and then drive all the way back home. So a lot of driving yeah. and everything. So so those phone calls are those like ch- contacting churches saying, "Hey, can I come in there and speak to your church?" And yeah, that yeah, that's the big thing about when deputation we first started out is making phone calls, and I couldn't even tell you how many thousands upon thousands of phone calls you make to book the meetings you get. But you know, it's just it's just a lot of work. You make the phone calls, but you know, it, I always enjoyed it. Oh, it was it was a lot of work, but I wanted to get done with it. And so it was just call, 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 call. You get a lot of voicemails, a lot of no answers, but you get then get the pastors, you know, and God to provide the meetings. And I, I love the part of seeing God provide the meetings because on deputation, there's never been a time where we haven't been booked up. Right. That's awesome. So a lot of uh, I guess for our listeners that could be future missionaries. Um, are these phone calls, are you just Googling like church in this city and looking for this? Or is it a lot of word of mouth? Like you're in one church and say, Hey, you'd be great if uh, go over to brother so-and-so's church. Is that how a lot of it goes or? So it can. So the nice thing about being with vision Baptist missions who we're with is we have a lot of missionaries who've gone before us and they have different, they have call list. And so they would give us their list of churches who they have a list of thousands of churches to call. And so in different states, so that's what we use. But there were times where I'd be Google searching churches in certain areas or even word of mouth. So if I went to church and said, Hey, this is a good church. You should contact pastor so-and-so. And then we would use that as a point of reference and things like this. So there's a lot of combination of those things. It just depends on you yeah, the easiest thing to do is if you have someone who can help you with, with call lists and things like that, there's some websites out there that have like all the churches listed. Um, and you can go look up churches based on area and stuff. Okay. So that's your life as a missionary. Now, what will your life be? I know it's going to change throughout, but once you get there, what's, what's it going to be Brady and Sarah's first week in Turkey? <laughs> The first week in Turkey is going to be very crazy. Uh, <laughs> it is not going to be a usual week, but first week of Turkey is going to be, you know, getting cell phone service, getting, we have to pay a phone tax to bring in our phones. We have to 
get, get, try to find a house, try to find a car, all of these things within the first week, try to set up a residency appointment because we've got to get, we have our visas to get in, but the big thing is we've got to get residency, which means we can stay there for a year and then each year we can renew that. And so, but outside of that though, once we start language school, we're going to be going to language school four hours a day. So I think, I think it's typically eight to noon, mm-hmm. uh, nine to one sometimes, depending on the schedule, how it works out with their schedule. It's pretty intense. So four hours a day, five days a week. And then our, my plan would be go in the afternoon. We'd go our separate way. So she'd go back to the house, try to get her some helper, tutor, someone that she could be at the house with to work with um, the language. And I'd go out and I'd probably have a helper as well, someone I'd just drive around with. And basically we'd go around, I'd point at stuff and he'd tell me what it is. And okay. I'd just try to practice, <laughs> okay, to you know, just like, just like, yeah. a, just like a baby, you know, yeah. point <laughs> stuff and he'd usually say it a million times and they repeat it a million times until you get it right. And things like that. I'll try to get what we call a route of listeners. Basically, I'd, I'd go around an area, uh, shops and stuff like that, meet people I could talk to, try to practice what I've learned for that day, practice new sayings and things like that. Okay. And, you know, that's really what's going to be during language school. Then, you know, obviously church, we have church services, on, at least on Sundays. I don't know. Uh, midweek, if they have midweek, we'll go to midweek services as well. And then, you know, do all that. And then evenings just kind of, you know. Relax, but still homework. Well, homework, yeah. Homework, homework yeah. relax. Go over what you um, study and kind of compare notes. Study for tests. Try yeah. to talk yeah. to each other in a different language. For real. Yeah, I'm sure. Definitely. Well, and the point of the helper, too, is the helpers don't know any English. And that's what we really want. We're really hoping to get helpers that don't know any English so okay. that we have to be able to talk to them. <laughs> right. Kind of like burning the ships once you get there kind Pretty of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what are some of the big goals and desires that you have for your ministry? So, I mean, goal, big goal would be to see Turkey reach with the gospel. I mean, and outside of that, it's another. But our, our heart desires this is to plant multiple churches and train men. Our goal is really to train men. If we can train men, we can plant many, many churches. Um, so as we train men, we can take them and plant churches. But I have the heart desire to see through Turkey, the Middle East reach with the gospel, and the Muslim world reach the gospel, into Central Asia, all these countries, where really as Americans, it's hard to get in as Christians and as missionaries. But if we can reach people with the gospel in the country of Turkey and then we could train them and we can send them to these places and they can do great work that I may not be able to do, but they could do a better work than, than me. And so, I mean, we have real hearts desire. I mean, as Paul saw, he saw the world turned upside down as they had desire to see, you know, not only Turkey, but the world reach the gospel. People say, where are you a missionary to? I mean, I'm a missionary to Turkey, but I have a, I'm a missionary to the world. My heart and desire is to see the world reach the gospel in this generation. And I believe it's possible if we can get people raised up, we can train them and People give their lives to missions. We can get out there. We can see the world reach of the gospel in this generation. I completely agree. I know you had mentioned this morning in church that the uh, that Turkey was the uh, how did you say it the gateway to the Middle East. Uh, since I know you said there's over four million refugees in Turkey. That's correct. Uh, I think that is such a I don't know a, a valuable spot to be uh, to be that like that central location where all these countries are coming in and seeing the refugees that can like you said then equip and train up their men to go back to their countries and then spread spread the gospel throughout there i think it's a great hub to be in that city i i, th- I completely agree i think turkey really and what's funny is if you look it up and look you can google search this and check it that turkey is the center of the world there's a city in Turkey that's known as the center of the world. And so I, there's people come from all the world into Turkey. I, I believe there's a great way to reach out to these people, especially these refugees who are mm-hmm. they're, they're struggling. They have nothing to live for. Mm-hmm. And they're in these camps, and we can take the gospel to them, train them, and send them out to preach the gospel in Syria, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, all these places. And I believe God is moving and about to do some big things in the country of Turkey. 
I guess to go back to uh, why Turkey, why Izmir in particular, instead of I know there's Istanbul. Uh, that's the uh, that's not the capital. It's the largest city, right? Istanbul's largest city, about 14 million people. Ankara is the capital. It has okay. about five to six million people, and then is or Izmir is the third largest city, about four million people, close to six million in the province there. So in the in the surrounding areas, uh, Izmir, we felt uh, we, we we talked to some different people, talked to some other people who had been in some Muslim countries before, and asked their advice on some stuff, and basically they said. I like Istanbul because of size, but the problem with Istanbul is it's it's you're not you're not new because you're okay. a tourist. They see tourists all the time. But Izmir, we're not as touristy, so like well, that's one thing. But other reason too is Izmir is a little bit more um, conservative or, or like open, secular, secular, more secular. Okay, yeah, that's the right oh, okay. word, secular. <laughs> so there's more open doors, and also the other thing is too. I was told by my friend who's been in Muslim, he said, "Don't go to the craziest city." He's like, "Don't go to the busy, crazy city where things go on." He's like, "If there's another city you can go to, there's someone nearby that you can work with. Go to that city. It's going to be a little bit easier when you're in language school because there's so many stresses in language school." He's like, "You could eventually move to Istanbul if that's what God wants you to do, or you can stay in that city." But he's like, "Start out somewhere where you're not as much stress, and so it's not as crazy." crazy for you and your wife when you start out. And Istanbul is very crazy. Uh, traffic is probably 50 times worse in Istanbul than it is in Izmir. So. <laughs> it already doesn't sound good in Izmir. <laughs> now, I like that idea of being in a, a city where it's full of locals. So you don't have as many tourists going through. So you can you can really, I think that'd be great for planning a church, having somebody that's going to be there the next week because they live there. They work there. I think people will take you more seriously because they don't see you as a tourist. Like, oh, they're just here for a week. Like, oh, they actually live down the road from yeah. me, maybe. Maybe I might go check that out. Yeah, you have invested in, <laughs> in their... Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. There's the again. Yeah, they want to know why we're there because we're not typical, so... Right. All right. Um, how can people here in the States and churches better help you with your work now, like now before you leave and then once, once you get to Turkey? The biggest thing is prayer. We need people praying for us. Um, it is true. We need prayer support, and we need prayers, especially as we transition to learn a new language and we're going to new culture and things like that. So prayer is the biggest thing. Um, I mean, the other thing, too, and to be honest, it's it's financial support. We need we, we travel these churches. You know, yes, we're trying to be helping blessing these churches, but we're trying to raise support. And we've got a little bit, you know, more to raise before we go. And, you know, you, there's never, if you go to do it, we, which we desire to do, to do lots of church planning, you can all, you always need more support because you're always going to be training that next guy and planning more churches. So financial support is, you know, a big thing that helps. And so just praying for things like that. Um, one thing we're doing right now or we're about to do, we're about to go in and set up a new home. And you imagine when you get a brand new home, you know, here in the United States, you got to set and buy stuff up. We're in a brand new co- country. we got to go and buy everything from car to furniture to all that stuff and so we've been saving up for that get kitchen stuff my wife has a big list of all the stuff we've got to get yeah and so i I wouldn't even know i'd I'd be like i have no clue this this is okay it's kind of overwhelming sometimes well it's hard because like you have to set up like all your condiments and like everything it's like being a newlywed on steroids right (laughs) yeah because you're having to like like, you have literally nothing you're used to always having ketchup and there's not ketchup there Exactly. Well, part of that is we were already we've been saving up quite a bit, and some a lot of people have given towards what we call our setup fund, and so we still need a little bit that'll help us out with making sure when we get there we're able to set up and get what we need. Sorry, I'm gonna throw something at Yoda real quick. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> sorry, he was chewing on the woodwork. Yeah, um, so I I guess uh, for specific prayers, I know you mentioned um, learning the language is obviously going to be one for our listeners. To, yes. Praying for learning the language, then also just adjustment in general and then financial support, correct? That's correct. Uh, where can we go to find your stuff? Like I said, I'll, I'm going to, if you can send me all your links, I'll go ahead and link it down in the description. 
definitely owe you. So you can find us on, on basically almost every social media platform. So we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Truth to Turkey. Uh, that's really our our ministry thing. And it's not only us, it's our, our the other people with us that are going to Turkey, the Browns as well. But you go to truththeturkey.com and you can find our website. And that'll link you even to not only our, our information, but our friends, the Browns information as well. But also it gives you, there's a blog on there, truththeturkey.com slash blog. We, we post a blog every week. Uh, a lot of times they're writing about missions and things like that. And so it helps to young people. I try to be helpful to young people. And we got a lot of exciting things planned in the future coming out there. Uh, you can also check out on there that we've got a couple books uh, already out. And we've got one we actually just just released. Uh, it's it's going to be actually being released January 1st uh, called Why Muslims Need You. And it's talking about the need of the Muslim world. And you'll be able to find more information about it on the Truth to Turkey website. And there's like a store, but there'll also be a resource page as well you can find that information on. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening to the New Revival Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at New Revival Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you.